You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Bell Garcia and Charles Hammacher with you. As, uh, as always, I didn't expect to match here today with I the know, Steelheads merchandise, but, you know, I can't complain. It's always really good stuff. Uh, not necessarily good for the team mm. on the field, and we'll, we'll get into that, obviously. But uh, on a happier note, we do have a team headed to a championship to discuss, we but we'll get to that when the section arises. So with that being said, we'll jump into our sort of sparse Seahawks news. And, Bell, what took place over, uh, I guess, technically right now, since we're approaching uh, training camp, it's over at the VMAC. We're not yeah. at Lumen Field quite yet. A couple of Seahawks news here. The Seahawks have hired Amanda Ruler as part of NFL's Bill Wash Diversity Coaching Fellowship. Um, just a couple of her history here. She played for Team Canada as part of the and was part of the International Federation of American Football. She will help coach running backs for Seattle and her coaching history. She has history in running backs coach and special teams coach at McMaster University in Ontario. Running backs and special teams coach for Team Ontario, a U18 women's tackle football team. Had a role with the Sasquatchian Rough Riders, but had to quickly pass due to a job with Seattle. I want to know what you think about this, because obviously, you know, with these professional sports uh, leagues, not just the NFL, but I guess we can focus on the NFL here. You know, seeing women involved in these roles like this, right? Not just, oh, it's like a, an, in a way, a diversity mm -hmm. hire, right? And to see someone, you know, with the uh, new fellowship that they've got, the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship, I thought this was really interesting and I, I wanted to get your yeah. thoughts on it as a woman, you know, just to see this and someone obviously running backs are going to be a big part of the Seahawks organization because of who Pete Carroll is and what kind of running uh, offense he runs. But just, I guess your thoughts on the hire itself. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. It's important for women to continue to get these roles. So you could see women in sports, but maybe not in this position. So that's huge for her. Um, and then, like you said, she's going to have such a key in developing the running backs. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's exciting and I'm completely thrilled for her. And hopefully we just continue to see this more. Nope. Yeah, I was just curious <laughs> how you felt about that because I was, I saw this and I was like, hey, this is, this is a big deal. It so, definitely opens a door for more opportunity. So that's exciting. And to see, yeah, like you were saying, what other roles might get filled, you know, by these qualified women across not only hopefully this league, but other ones like mm -hmm. we've seen in the MLB, right, with a couple of different uh, women that we've seen um, coaching minor league baseball or even playing in minor league baseball. Right. So just wanted to touch on that. On the 20th, this team extended defensive tackle Brian Monet for a two-year deal worth $12 million. Monet has appeared in 24 games for Seattle over the last two seasons. Um, did you foresee that happening? It makes sense. Uh, I guess $6 million a year is a little bit interesting to me. Uh, Monet has been a guy, I mean, you see 24 games across the last two seasons. It's pretty solid, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of, I mean, we talk about it all the time, being available, right? I mean, if you're a guy that I can count on as a coach, I can say, hey, I can put you in the lineup when I need to or when I want to. You're going to be at the top of my list when, you know, money time comes around. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the defensive line is definitely an interesting position for Seattle, a position group for Seattle, especially considering that you're going to a three, four this season. You know, those tackles are going to be guys that you're going to want to stuff the middle uh, in terms of, well, especially with three, four. Right. I mean, you've got two defensive ends in there. Mm -hmm. that are going to have to kind of be bigger guys to also right. help stuff the run with the two linebackers that are dropping down to rush the passer. So you, your three guys or three down linemen are going to have to really be good at their job at, you know, eating up tackles, eating up blocks. So Monet has been a guy that I think has done that. So uh, extension wise, yes. Money wise, interesting, but okay. we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but it's just like a little bit of an, oh, like an eye pop. Yeah, sure. Um, moving on to some league news here on the 13th, the Dolphins have offered Sean Payton lots of money. Miami offered former Saints head coach a four year, hundred million contract to become their head coach. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, there was, I don't know if you saw it, but the, there was a report too, that the Dolphins had offered Tom Brady an ownership stake really? for him to come and play for them. And this, there was this whole thing when he retired. Right. Uh, and I guess offering Peyton lots of money too was a big deal, but they've got, uh, I believe Mike McDaniel now from the 49ers. Mm -hmm. So just interesting to see how this news continues to plays out, play out. You always hear about this stuff 
after the fact. So I'm sure, you know, we'll hear because that was a whole big thing. Yeah, I did hear the Tom Brady rumors, but I thought they were just rumors. I didn't know that anything happened. He spoke on it, but, I, you know, he can say anything like that right now. But I'm wondering if truth eventually comes out later as that continues on. So I guess we'll hear about that as it, as it moves on. Moving on here to some more June 13th news. Richard Sherman and Carissa Thompson will be joining Amazon and their broadcast crew. So Amazon's broadcast crew gets bigger as Sherman and Thompson join. Sherman joins the crew, but is holding the door open for an NFL return. Uh, Thompson joins to host the streaming services pregame coverage for Thursday night football. That's exciting. I really like Carissa Thompson and her coverage, so I'm excited to see more of it. It's, I mean, over, you know, with league news, we always keep an eye on stuff like this because, I mean, at the end of the day, when we watch these games, these are going to be the people that are going to be on the screen, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting to know what kind of crew that Amazon is building with Thursday Night yeah. Football being something that happens, doesn't happen too late into the season, and it's just these one game uh, a week kind of thing. So it, it, it's interesting to see what kind of money that Amazon's putting into their, their own crew. Do you think that Sherman finds a position for the NFL before broadcasting before the season starts yeah. um i wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility you know he was a guy that uh i mean the, the buccaneers picked him up right and mm-hmm. they were a team that's been in contention since they've had tom brady you know so if a team like that is picking him up and kicking the tires and he gets minutes for them i i wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that someone might kick the tires on him I would wonder how much he also is hoping for as far as compensation. So that would probably have something to play with in there. Um, So moving on to some June 14th news, uh, there's urgency from Carolina side to get a trade done for Baker Mayfield. So Mayfield might be headed to Carolina. Uh, His salary is currently the biggest hurdle. Well, that was a, like they promised quite a bit of money and they don't want to People don't want yeah, to take that on, right? The, the, Cleveland wants uh, some other team to take the majority of his contract, and I just don't imagine that happening. And then there was these reports. It, it's very wishy-washy because mm-hmm. the, the Panthers reportedly had no interest in him. And now they say that they, there's urgency on it and that they don't want to send Sam Darnold in a trade. They want both of them on the roster at the same time. So I would just let them figure that out over <laughs> there and let's have us not be involved in anything related to Baker Mayfield. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends, ends up for sure, though. Um, the N- NBC is replacing Drew Brees after he stepped down from broadcasting. So they announced that they have hired former Dallas Cowboys head coach Jason Garrett as a football night in America analyst. And moving on to June 15th here, Minka Fitzpatrick signs a record extension with the Steelers. The all-pro safety becomes the highest paid at his position in NFL history, signing a four-year $73.6 million deal. Um, Also happening in the NFL, the players could possibly have two bye weeks. The 49ers tight end George Kittle advocates for the league to have more rest for players during the season. Now, as a fan, I hate bye weeks. <laughs> I hate when my team comes around on a bye week, but I can understand how that could help an athlete. Um, do you think they would extend the season and have add a bye week? I wouldn't put it out. I, I just same with the Sherman news. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, uh, knowing that. I mean. What, Look at the Seahawks in this regard, right? We look at it, you know, in terms of the rest of these players get, you know, these the Thursday night football games have put a toll on Seahawks players, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just historically. I mean, if you want to go look it up and we look at, I mean, like the Richard Sherman is, I believe his injury was on a Thursday night. Yeah. Same thing with Cam Chancellor. I believe when they were both down in Arizona, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense if you extend the season, the game, it's like there's no roster that goes through the normal 16 game season completely healthy. That's not something that happens due to the nature of the sport. So the combine the nature of the sport with now the length that you have the season at, I don't think two, two bye weeks is completely outlandish. Yeah. Do I think the NFL will bite? That's where it gets murky and that's where I put some doubt on it. It could be the balance to adding that additional game though and to keep the athletes happy and rested. I could see it maybe going through, but yeah. Um, moving on to some more Deshaun Watson news. On the 16th, it was announced that the NFLPA will reportedly defend Deshaun Watson. The players union will argue that the punishment that Watson is facing is not the same as the NFL owners during their off-field scandals. Nothing more need be said. 
Um, moving on to some more news here. Watson may get season banned. The NFL plans to argue for significant suspension of Brown's QB over alleged sexual assault and misconduct. So as we find out what that punishment is for Deshaun Watson or more news comes available, of course, we will report it. And we now move to some not so much happier news. <laughs> no, I mean, at least the uniforms look nice on uh, the salute to the Negro Leagues game. But, you know, we'll get to that in a second here. We're going into straight uh, for the game recap, the three-game series against the Minnesota Twins in the middle of this 11-game homestand was not any better than the Red Sox one. Uh, June 13th versus the Twins was a 3-2 loss. Player of the game, uh, center fielder that game, Taylor Trammell as Julio Rodriguez got the day off. Um going uh, one hit, one run, two RBIs, and a two-run homer in that game. Uh, June 14th versus the Twins, uh, a 5 nothing win. So, hey, you know, come back, bounce back, shut the right. Twins out, put up five runs. That's a solid effort on its own. Uh, player of the game, third baseman, Eugenio Suarez, going one for four with a run and two RBIs. Uh, on the 15th, looking to wrap that up in a matinee game on a Wednesday, they flip the script and they lose that game 5 to nothing. So you take that game before score and you lose by that score. Not fun. So as you know, with shutouts, unless there's a good pitching performance, no play to the game there can't really justify that. So what do we talk about all the time with these games is winning series, right? You don't do that here. You had that first game, which was close. You lose by a run. It's brutal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you come back and bounce back in the second game. Oh, solid. Then this is, a, you know, we'll get to the angel series here in a second, but it's like, there's a pattern where, you know, in the series that they'll lose, you'll either take game one or game two, and the rest of them they'll play tight, and then you just falter. And I, it's you can't do that, you know. And we'll, I'll get to my rant here in a second about this, <laughs> but we'll, we have to look at the Angels series now to close out this homestand. June 16th, uh, starting off with the Angels here, a 4-1 to one loss, player of the game, shortstop J.P. Crawford. J.P. going one for fourth in RBI, driving in the Mariners' only run of the day. Uh, June 17th versus the Angels, an 8-1 to one win. So like I said, lose that first game, win <laughs> the second one in a big deal, right? Uh, two players of the game here because of the their respective performances. First baseman Ty France goes two for four with a run and three RBIs with a bases uh, loaded bases clearing double. Uh, and then play of the game number two, pitcher Robbie Ray, Ray going seven innings, allowing only three hits, one run, one earned run, uh, one walk, and 10 strikeouts. Mm-hmm. So Robbie, uh, for a bit, was flirting with a no-hitter, you know. And at the end of the day, giving up one run, that's a winnable game. Yeah. So putting up the eight runs was, in effect, an overkill. Um, so nice for them to, as Bell would mention last week, nice for them to win on my birthday. I guess that was a courteous thing. <laughs> uh so again, so we look at that, right? Lose game one, bounce back in game two. Obviously, this is a five-game series, so it's a little different. But we head into the doubleheader day. Uh, the first game of the day on the 18th versus the Angels, it was the Seattle Steelheads versus the Anaheim Angels. And if you are not aware, the Seattle Steelheads were Seattle's respective Negro League team back in the day. They weren't around for, uh, I guess, a, a long time, but the history behind that and it's just obvious i mean they talked about i believe pregame on sunday just the importance to have it have the uniforms have them out there and as jp crawford mentioned the players want to have that uniform in the rotation do they i i think i mean we'll put it up here with our photo by live lion one of our photos from live lions uh, one of the photographers that we work with uh it's just a nice it's a nice off-white color It's it's nice clean and simple at least for me personally, I think, well, one, I know fans already like it. I mean, it, <laughs> you know, and it's the players really like it. I know that service talked about how they really felt a good sense of pride being able to honor it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being able to include these uniforms in the rotation, the standard rotation, right, would really be a lot more impactful than just wearing them one day a year, if I that agree. makes any sense, right? Because, I mean, there's so much importance to it and you know if you really want to honor the history behind them i think wearing them for more than one game a season which is cool but making that a consistent effort would be i i feel like it would be more impactful so that's my thought on that but the first day of the first game of the double header would be a four to two loss a tough one there the games goes into 10 innings mike trout the mariners boogeyman hits a two-run homer 
to effectively close that out. Player of the game, left fielder slash right fielder. Dylan Moore converting from left to right field later in the game, uh, going one for three with two runs and an RBI. I believe he had a solo shot that day mm-hmm. um, in that game. So they lose what game one of the doubleheader that going, goes into extra innings. Uh, they play, what, a few hours later in game two of that doubleheader, looking to bounce back, rebound, salvage it, right, and then even up the series effectively. And you lose that one three to nothing, as, as we mentioned. Shutouts, no players of the game there. Uh, so before we go to the final game of the uh, the series on the homestand here, what did you were at the doubleheader? What did you see in both of those games, just as a whole? Whether it be, I mean, obviously, if you'd like to reflect, you know, on the Steelheads, uh, what they had going on there with, yeah. the, you know, they had the scoreboard and stuff in between the innings, uh, but just as well as the games. Yeah. So they did make it a point to just describe the significance of um, Juneteenth and people that have made a difference in the Negro Leagues. Jackie Robinson was on the screen at one point. So just, um, yeah, they did such a good job of making it feel like they really were representing something that has made a difference to the league. And in terms of the way they played, um, I would continue to say, just like you've said before, that they can't continue to leave players on base. They left 10 players on base in that first game. And then I believe that in the second game, they left another eight on base. Um, Jen Mueller tweeted about it and said that we have throughout the whole season so far, 495 runners have been left on base and that's 495 missed opportunities. So that just, like you said, cannot continue to happen. Before I uh, express my feelings on it, we'll look at, (laughs) we'll look at the June 19th game versus the angels. uh, To wrap up the 11 game homestand, 11 games and 11 games in 10 days. And the final game of the angel series, a four to nothing loss again. So, I'll put it to you this way. In the offseason, it was greatly marketed that this was there's a lot of excitement, right? I don't think that's an understatement. You know, coming off of the run that the team had gone on last year, September, early August, early October, mm-hmm. late August, right? There was a lot of excitement. A lot of guys were really pushing it together, had some luck involved. You know, with a run like that, there's going to be some luck involved. Um and for a period of time, it controlled your own destiny, right? You had guys like Jesse Winker who had a career year last year. Eugenio Suarez is a guy that can bring you some slugging. Adam Frazier was an all-star last season and been a pretty solid contact hitter. Robbie Ray wins AL Cy Young uh, last year in Toronto. Ken Giles is supposed to come back. He had been a bona fide closer. All of these guys are supposed to be guys you're uh, expecting. The issue was you're betting on these guys to repeat career years or that they're going to maintain their performances from last year. The bullpen last year played out of their minds. Several guys had career years. Paul Sewald, Drew Steckenrider, uh, Casey Sadler, Eric Swanson. Granted, some of those guys are still performing at that level and yeah. good for them. But you cannot rely on bets to make your way through a, su- a successful playoff, a run to the playoffs, right? And I, we, I said it leading into the season. You needed a fifth starter. And don't get me wrong, I love George Kirby, but you cannot rely on a guy who's never played in AAA to be your fifth starter day in and day out against Major League talent. You didn't add another bat, another proven, consistent veteran bat to this lineup that struggled and had struggled for a year since Edgar Martinez was taken off as the hitting coach, right? Can't do that. You're maybe hitting slightly better than you did last year. And last year you were bad. You know, so like you were saying, the when we've talked about it before, leaving runners in scoring position is a big deal. And I'm going to put that front and center because, like you said, we lead the league and all of baseball in runners left on base. And that can't continue to happen. You can continue to have these one off games in the series where you put up eight runs. Sure. Fine. But you have to win series going forward. And like we were saying before this started, if you want to be playing meaningful games in late August, in September, in October, You need to figure things out. That last homestand, you played a Boston team that was at the time, I think they've fallen out of it slightly, were in the third and final playoff spot in the American League. The Minnesota Twins, who somehow are at the top of their division. I don't expect that to last, but we'll see about that. They've got some solid players. Byron Buxton is great. Luis Arias, I believe, leads uh, baseball and batting average. The point is those two are playoff teams at the moment, right? Playoff seeding that you need. And then the third team, the Anaheim Angels, who have gone on a 14-game losing streak, fired Joe Madden. This is the perfect time to pounce on them. They've got a lot of talent in Mike Trout and Shoei Otani. Jared Walsh is playing good. Don't get me wrong. 
but this is a team that you need to be beating and you cannot they, they, they just look at the fall they've had and you lose four or five something has to change whether it's accountability from the players to perform better a lot of them a lot of guys outside of jp crawford ty france julio rodriguez to an extent have been really inconsistent yeah so i do want to get your take because on that 13th game against the twins which was a loss by just one run scoring run um they that was julio's rest day yeah rest day Mm -hmm. um he did come in and did bat for i believe it was tramel so they pulled tramel put in julio and that was kind of the um hail mary it was throw julio and see what he can do uh just your thoughts on that considering that tramel had a decent game that's that's been an issue since they brought tramel up and i i'm a tramel fan i'm i I like taylor tramel uh just feels like he's got a really short leash like a lot of the times he'll be in games and he'll even get hits he'll get on base and then like the six inning plus they'll put in a guy like sam Haggerty or dylan moore for him for whatever reason he goes like one for two i'm like that's not yeah so i don't understand that and that's something i'd have to ask scott about but it's it is interesting to me um i'm not 100% 100% sure what that's about. I understand getting Julio a rest day. Like there was one of those games where Ty had a rest day. Yeah. Um, and that, that'll happen. Over the course of 162 games, that'll happen. But um, yeah, the Tramel, I'm interested. I'm intrigued by that. But I want to wrap up and say this. I know that they had a team meeting before yesterday's game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem like much change. They, it seems like it just in post-game comments and all that, it seems like the players understand what's going on. They know that there's that sense of urgency now. It's time for you to respond. It is time. There's obviously so much expectation. There's all this stuff about, oh, since this and that. I get it. I was whatever. Three months old the last time they made it. I'm 21 now. All right. It's... This team is supposed to be a different team. There is the talent on this roster. It's just about turning things around, and it's about how you respond now. Mm-hmm. So it won't be next week. We can't come to that conclusion by next week. But I'm hoping by, let's say let's say a month from now, all right, late July, let's come back to this and let's see how that has been reflected on. Because a game like that yesterday should be a turning point. That's all I'm going to say about it. We're going to move on to our players of the week here. Talked about Julio. I went with Julio this week just because, you know, for a guy that I would consider in a slump right now, he had nine strikeouts over the last seven days. <laughs> he led the team in batting average still. And he's a guy yeah. that uh, Liv actually mentioned it as someone in the photo. Well, uh, yesterday he had a an bat where he had a uh, pop fly to right field, but he advanced Justin Upton to third. And he was pumped about that. That yeah, kind of energy is. from yeah. a rookie too, someone who is actually – I think he's also 21. Yeah. It's something that you want to see in your ball club, in your clubhouse. So Julio continues to be a guy that I'm sure, like you said, got to be a fan favorite and still is someone that every at-bat I have to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So you went with Robbie Ray. Um, he's been solid in his last two starts. What were the primary factors for you to pick Robbie? The performance on the 17th game, that almost no-hitter. Um, brutal, almost, because of that ball that hit ball actually went right above his glove, I believe. And he, he almost could have got it. But um, yeah, there was a point where he just kind of looked down on the mound, smiled and just realized what had happened. And I mean, it's a things happen in the game. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a really good performance. I mean, he really had them in the game until of course, Mike Trout decided that game, I believe. Right. Or that was the winning game. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah, that was the winning game. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So just a great performance by him really had, I feel like, set the tempo for the offense because he did so well. Um, and, and that's got to be rewarding as a pitcher to have eight runs behind you. Yeah. 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 And like like you were saying, I mean, go out there and maybe be a dis- little bit disappointed. Sure. But you only give up one run in any game in this in, in baseball. That's going to keep you in the game. It, there's no excuse for that. So yeah, that was, yeah, I, so I get that totally. Absolutely. Had to I go with someone from uh, that performed well in one of our winning games. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so we'll head over to team related news here on the 16th. The team avoided arbitration without fielder, Jesse Winker. Uh, the sides agreed uh, to a two year deal worth $14.5 million. So they uh, extend uh, their former all-star um, that they acquired via trade over the past off season. Um, 
And then we've got some roster-related moves here. A lot of movement going mm-hmm. up and down. On the 17th, uh, the team claimed infielder uh, Rowenis, I mean Rowenis, Drew Ellis off of waivers. They placed outfielder Mitch Hanniger on the 60-day injured list, so it doesn't seem like Mitch will be back with us anytime soon. Uh, recalled outfielder Justin Upton from AAA Tacoma and the Rainiers. You can see Upton there in his Steelheads uniform. Uh, an option infielder slash outfielder Sam Haggerty to AAA Tacoma. On the 18th, uh, the day of the doubleheader, some roster moves were made ahead of those games taking mm-hmm. place. Uh, they appointed left-handed pitcher Justice Sheffield to the 27th uh, man roster for that doubleheader. With a doubleheader, your roster expands to 27 men, so they had Sheffield on hand for that. Did he pitch? I think he pitched in one of those games. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know if you remember that off the top of your head. <laughs> that was such a long day, but I yeah. think he might have in the... Um... <clears throat> in the second of the doubleheader because mm. it felt like they shuffled through them pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah. So, so th- there was definitely. that move uh, as well as selecting left-handed pitcher, Tommy Malone from AAA Tacoma optioning right-handed pitcher, Matt Fessa to Tacoma and designating right-handed pitcher, Joey Gerber for assignment on the 20th. Uh, some moves were made this morning. Uh, Ken Giles, the closer that I talked about earlier, uh, was finally reinstated from the 60-day injured list with a right middle finger sprain. So after going uh, through a setback, Giles will be joining the club. Uh, Kevin Padlow, an infielder, was recalled from Triple Tacoma, so he'll join the club in their California road trip. Uh, Rowenis Elias and Sergio Romo were both designated for assignment. So that kind of sucks. Both of them have great stories. Elias and his third stint with the Mariners and a guy that's really worked hard to get here. And I don't think he's performed poorly in his time with Seattle. And then Romo, a guy that's a veteran presence, a great clubhouse presence, and just has had some bad luck the last few outings. And the fans have let him hear it. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, tough, but that's just, that's the moves that they decided to make. And both of those guys being designated for assignment could be outrighted to Tacoma. So they could still be within the organization, uh, when their outrights are finished. Uh, in terms of league-related news, I know that we just talked about the Angels, but there's some Shohei Otani news. On the 15th, a report stated that Otani's future with Anaheim is getting cloudier by the day. Uh, and on the 16th, many teams would offer Otani a deal at four years, $200 million, that could set salary standards for American sports. If I'm the Mariners, I know that w- w- when he was uh, being courted, to come to Major League Baseball, the Mariners were a front runner for Otani. Wow. So could that be in the realm of possibility? I don't know. But <laughs> interesting. Anytime there's a superstar in a league and they just seem unhappy, it's interesting to see how that all shifts out. It could turn into a new contract. It could end up with them being on a different team. Is he unhappy because of the team's performance? Yes. Okay. He says, I want to go somewhere where I win. And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, makes sense. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, on the 14th, Golden Tate's trying out baseball. The uh, former Seahawk uh, and longtime NFL receiver joins the Amateur West Coast League, where uh, I believe I actually have my friend Ben Pataxel is playing. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. On the 15th, Detroit held a team meeting after a bad loss. The MLB's lowest scoring team, the Tigers, holds a meeting after three position players pitched in their 13 to nothing blowout. So mm-hmm. when we talk about team meetings, I put that in there simply because of what's been taking place yeah. with our ball club. On the 16th, the Nationals are close to being sold. A price tag of Washington's baseball team is expected to land between 2 and $3 billion. So interesting to see uh, who the takers for that may be. Uh, the Mariners' record sits at a 29-39 and 39 clip. Yep, that's 10 games under 500. They are fourth in the American League West. They have a California road trip. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe some more sunshine can do them some good. Uh, June 21st versus 23rd versus the Oakland Athletics. So going to play down in the Coliseum. 21st and 22nd are 640 starts. The 23rd is a matinee game at 1237. Uh, then to the Angels over in Anaheim on the 24th, 25th, and 26th. 24th is a 638 start, which is very specific. Yeah. And then the 25th is a 707. The 26th is a 107. What uh, what did you have to say? Anaheim Angels. Hey, man, they play in Anaheim. <laughs> they play like a mile away from Disneyland. I am. Where am I? I will the- die on this hill. They play in Anaheim. All right. That's that's my thing. But oh, uh, our storm, our storm got uh, back on track. I know they had a, a loss in there, but. They were doing all right. What did uh, how did it go over for the storm? 
Yeah. So on the 14th, they played the Minnesota Lynx. That was a win, 81 to 79, tight win there. Um, the player of the game was Brianna Stewart with 29 points, eight rebounds, three assists, eight for 10 from free throws. And I think if I recall correctly, she didn't she have the game winning layup? Yeah, game winning layup in that one. <clears throat> and then we move on to the 17th. They played the Connecticut Sun, a tough Tough team, and that was a loss of 82 to 71. Player of the game again, of course, Brianna Stewart with 19.7 rebounds and five assists. And then on the 19th, yesterday, they played the New York Liberty, and that was a good win. Um, Sue's possible last time playing in oh, New no. York. Final time playing in New yeah. York. Yep. <laughs> um, well, unless they, they meet him in the finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. They say possible, just, you know, be nice. <laughs> There's a possibility uh, that was a win, 81 to 72. And different player of the game, Gabby Williams with 23 points, three assists and nine rebounds. And I think Gabby was cooking early. So it's good to see her um, do well on offense because we've talked about this before where she really shines on defense and she's so tough. She hustles and just her finding her offense is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. If you can be consistent there, that's another, because I think, I mean, we, we, we've seen in the press conferences that we're at, right. You need a third, third input on the mm -hmm. offensive end. Obviously you're going to have Stewie and Jewel Lloyd, but who's, who's going to be that third contributor? Obviously with Sue, uh, towards obviously her final year now. So we'll get to that in a second, but her offensive production isn't necessarily where it would have been. So yeah, getting, getting 23 point, like even 20, say 20, points per game from Abby, Gabby, let alone 15, that's a big development. And yeah. so, yes, to have both contributions on both ends of the court is a really big deal. So that I'm hoping this is a breakout performance. So am I. Um, moving on to some injury news here. The injury report against the Connecticut Sun, Mercedes Russell was out again. Russell is in Seattle, was in Seattle being evaluated with an atypical recurrent headache. An update is to be shared 10 to 14 days from this report. That's unfortunate. And this is... You find out what it is, actually. Yeah, it, right. And it, is it what she was dealing with at the beginning of the season? This Do we is know? all we've got. Yeah, okay. but I imagine with the uh, recurrent aspect of it, I'm sure. And then this also being labeled as a non-basketball injury. Right, which is what it was before. It's got to be what it is. Okay, and moving on here on the 18th, the exact same injury report, Mercedes Russell would be out with that non-basketball injury. On Moving on to some team notes here, on the 16th, Sue Bird announced that it is her final season. Bird makes it official that she is playing her final year in the WNBA. Um, a list of accolades. You want to go, this is a... I mean, if you know who Sue Bird is, you know her accolade list is long. Do you want to That's why take I, wasn't look at this? I wasn't sure if we were going to read them all one by one I mean, or if you were going to throw it up on the screen. <laughs> we can take a look at some of this, right? I mean, five-time gold medalist, four-time champion, 12-time all-star, five-time all-first team, three-time all-second team, three-time season assists leader, what, the 10th, 15th, 20th, and 25th anniversary <laughs> teams for the WNBA league's all-time assists leader. I mean, take your pick. Right. I mean, this is if you're looking if we had, you know, circling Seattle sports this is what we do. Right. But if you had a Mount Rushmore for this city, she's has oh, to yes. be up there. I actually read something not to throw a dig at Russell, but I read that Sue Bird is actually the face of Seattle sports and not Russell Wilson. <laughs> successful. Um, so just kind of unfortunate. We did know that with a chance of one more year, it was possible that this was her one in last year so um yeah it's just it, it's exciting as a fan of the sport to be there in as press for her last season so very sad but exciting so moving forward i will definitely take every game and appreciate it more because it's, we're watching i mean you. <laughs> what can you not say i mean like like i said I always say, you know, when you try to encourage people to follow these things, you know, you, you want to get more people, more fans of the sport out. You want to want to talk about success, want to talk about hardware. The Storm have that. They're the most successful team in this city, you know. So, I mean, and Sue Bird spearheads that, and she's mm -hmm. been the face of that franchise. Obviously, you've had Lauren Jackson around. You've had Brianna Stewart around, you know, Drew Lloyd. But if there's a consummate, you know, winner in this city, let alone in that organization, it is Sue Bird you know, 
So it's just incredible to think about. I mean, I had, we, I think in, in talking about leading up to the season, I felt this way. I knew it was going to be, you're talking about one more year. She was already thinking about retiring. Right. You get her one more year. Why would she come back for another one? It's just a yeah. little more. Yeah. Um, it's just incredible. I mean, putting that accolade list together, I mean, just kept going and going <laughs> and going. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, I know that the Liberty had thank you Sue shirts on. So this whole farewell tour kind of thing will be really interesting. But obviously, I feel like the last stop that Sue wants to make on that tour is with a title. So mm-hmm. got some work to be done, but uh, just incredible to think about that. And I think we'll uh, get an article put together about that and what yeah. that means for the organization. But um yeah well she did mention peaking at the right time at the end of that new york liberty game so let's hope that they can definitely do that just like chicago did last season and give sue that last title before she retires um moving on to some league notes here a small update on Brittany griner not a good update uh russian court rules that wnba star Brittany griner will remain in custody through at least july 2nd so they've once again extended things um she's been in custody since february and that today marks 123 days that Brittany Griner has been detained. So um, I don't even think I have anything more to say about it. I don't so. think there's much you can say. I know that, uh, I mean, we won't get into the political aspects of it because this is not, that's not our show. That's not our thing to do, but it's just, yeah. What do you say? 123. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild to think about. And I, you know, I know that there were talks about when that first, news first broke about getting here before the season started and now we're looking at july so hoping to hear more positive news from that uh hoping that you know the i believe it's the u.s ambassadors that are over there that are able to actually are able to do whatever they can to make that as you know mend that i wouldn't say enjoyable because i don't think you can enjoy any of it right right just to make it as livable i guess as, as best as they can but just at the end of the day it's bringing her home so yeah hoping to hear better updates in the weeks coming. Agreed. The Storms sit at a 10-6 and six record. They are second in the West Conference and second in the West Conference for the Commissioner's Cup. Looking ahead, we have a June 23rd matchup versus the Washington Mystics at 7 p.m. and a June 25th matchup versus the LA Sparks at 6 p.m. And we will now move on to our Sounders. So continuing with the, I guess, uh, positive game kind of uh, note here, the Sounders played two games over the past week against, I would consider them both rivals, one of them a Cascadia Cup rival in Vancouver, and the other one it's L.A., so it's gonna, there's going to be a rivalry, <laughs> it feels like, against LAFC, one of the newer kids on the block, so to say it. Uh, June 14th versus Vancouver, a 4-1 to thrashing of the Whitecaps played the game forward. Raul Ruiz Diaz, Raul the Peru, he's, he's a incredible i just i we talked about role before with the ccl final but i mean two goals 86 percent passing percentage three shots a 9.1 match rating uh role is if you need offense role is your guy and this fun little stat here i know i, I always like the rivalry game I, I think i talked about it last week but with cascadia it's always a big deal because it's your sort of bragging rights seattle's won cascadia cup i believe the last three times they didn't have a uh, uh, matchup for that in 2020 because of the way things went but you want to keep that cascadia cup you know with you right seattle is unbeaten in its last 15 games against vancouver that's i believe that goes back to 2017 that's pretty pretty good uh so you like to stick it to your rivals um and then june 18th versus lafc a, a goal goal draw it's a tough one i mean you're playing lafc who had the best record in the league uh, at the time being, player of the game midfielder Albert Rusnak uh, with an 8.4 rating, 90 minutes played, one goal, 82% passing, three total shots. And I apologize. I believe actually he prefers it Rusnak, not Rusnak. So oh, okay. my apologies there. Um, but this was a game, like I said, you're playing the team with the best record in the MLS. Uh, they're top of the Western Conference. They probably will be at the top of the Western Conference unless they take a slide. And you had a goal early on. No, later on. Um, and then LAFC gets one late, you know, and it's at the end of the day, splitting points against the best team in the league. It's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I'll take that. Um, so n- nothing too crazy there, but, you know, good to see that big, 
dominant win against Vancouver and then a solid uh, expectation against uh, LAFC. So continuing over to team-related notes on the 14th, uh, following his two-goal performance against Vancouver, Raul Ruiz Diaz has 69 goals across all competitions for the Sounders, which I believe uh, ties Freddy Montero for the most in club history. Uh, nice. Um, and then on the 14th, Jordan Morris was not with the club for that 4 to nothing thrashing. So that game was also the sound. What makes that game more impressive, that 4 to nothing result, Seattle was missing several key players due to international games, such as Jordan Morris. Morris uh, scored a late equalizer for Team USA. Uh, Morris came on as a substitution in the 80th minute, scored a 90th minute header, 90th minute header <laughs> goal to tie things up uh, with El Salvador. Uh, it was a game that, as you can see in the photo, it was very muddy. The field conditions were not that great. Um, but to see Jordan, you know, kind of there had been talks that Morris was on the bubble, you know, outside looking in kind of thing for this year's uh, World Cup roster for Team USA. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you find the back of the net, they're going to find room for you. Yeah. So good to see that there for Jordan. Hoping the best for the Mercer Island native. Um, in league related notes, we've got a couple important things here. We'll go to the uh, 14th. The MLS signed a TV deal with Apple. Uh, Apple TV will carry every MLS and League's Cup match for 10 years, starting in 2023, meaning some of the local stations, like I know Fox carries some of the games here for the Sounders, will not have that anymore. Mm. There is talks of having a linear cable deal uh, in addition to the Apple TV deal, but none of that's been finalized yet. So that's kind of interesting to see. You know, I know that there's all this talks of cord cutting. Hulu has live sports, ESPN Plus. More subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> So I that's that's up to you and your own personal opinion about those sort of things. But it's interesting to see how that all plays itself out. And then on the 16th, I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, I did. <laughs> uh, the World Cup host cities were announced for the 2026 Men's World Cup over uh, in Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Uh, and actually, fun fact, the highest total attendance for a World Cup was in 1994 with the U.S., so, you, you know, I know the U.S. and soccer have had their love-hate relationship. Uh, <laughs> but interesting to know that the highest total attendance was here in the U.S. Uh, so we look over here to the World Cup host cities uh, in Canada. Well, obviously, Seattle was named a World Cup city. That's the only reason we're talking about it. Right. right? Uh, but the host cities that join Seattle uh, for the 2026 Men's World Cup are Canada. Uh, Canada has Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, so Vancouver, it makes sense. I mean, they're just right up the road. Right. Right, proverbially. Uh, in the U.S., Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Houston, mm. Los Angeles, Kansas City, Kansas City, uh, Miami, New York, New Jersey. So basically Newark, where the Giants and Jets play. Uh, Philly, San Francisco are all in the U.S., so all of them will get uh, host games. I believe it's four games at minimum you host. And then in Mexico, Guadalajara, Mexico City, and Monterey Ooh. are all host cities there. So, I mean, this is a big deal. I That's exciting. Can't, state that enough this is huge uh, i know that it's estimated that this will bring in a hundred million dollars in revenue to the city which is a lot but also there's a lot to be done to prepare that right mm -hmm. i know that by this time uh some i believe linwood light rail will be set up federal way bellevue that'll all be set up for light rail god willing um you know, the bus systems, the seating. I know they got to put some work into Lumen Field. They got to put grass into Lumen Field, uh, not the turf that they've got there now that was actually back in 2002 requested by Seahawks head coach Mike Holmgren. And that was a whole big deal. Uh, but this, this is incredible. So Seattle has been a soccer city for years, dating back to when Pele played in the Kingdom and then Memorial Stadium. Pele, you know, Pele is a big deal. So this is incredible. I know, like, but it's 2026. So we've got some oh, years got to prepare. We've got so much time to wait. <laughs> we've got some time to prepare. Who knows what we'll be doing in four years? You know, who knows what that'll look like? But it's exciting to know that and that your city gets that honor. And that while we're on the Sounders part, Portland wasn't even, their name ah, wasn't even mentioned. Oh, look at so that. A little, little rivalry there. But anyway, you know. So no, that was that was a really big deal, and that's really exciting to see that happening. So, uh, yes, like you said, a little bit time to prepare for that. But in terms of closer news, uh, the Sounders have a matchup against Sporting Kansas City coming up. Uh, there's a little bit of a rivalry there due to a match that Seattle had last year in Lumen Field, where you know who Dwayne Johnson is, The Rock. Yes, of course. Have you seen uh, Rock Bottom where he takes the man, he slams mm -hmm. him? 
Sporting Casey's <laughs> goalkeeper basically did that to Christian Roldan last year. So there's there's some history there. So if you don't know what the rock bottom is, look up the rock bottom. That's what happened last year. So there's there's mm-hmm. not some there's some not great blood between the two clubs. Uh, Seattle sits at a six win, uh, six loss, two draw record, seventh in the Western Conference, right at the playoff line. They're right above it. Uh, looking ahead, their next matchup is June 25th versus Sporting Kansas City, a 12 o'clock start, so a noon start. And that game is also on ABC, similar to the LAFC one uh, this past week. Uh, we have one little piece of Kraken news. is isn't too big, uh, but what's going on over uh, with our hockey team? Yeah, not anything exciting to talk about here, but definitely something worth noting that Philip Grubauer um, recalls getting some Nazi taunts. Uh, the Kraken goalie spoke out regarding past treatment and ridicule that he received coming up in the NHL. Um, like we said, he was called a Nazi in his junior hockey playing days and nobody stepped up. So it's unfortunate to hear news like that of taunting in such a horrible manner and just feeling like that's okay. I just don't. Yeah. And I know that, you know, in the interview that he did this, he talked about how, you know, the landscape for hockey has changed. Uh, but it is interesting to know that, you know, this is a sport that hasn't had the easiest uh, reputation about inclusion coming up, right? And I know that that's why they had so many events, you know, talking about uh, hockey is for everyone. I know, you know, encouraging these other uh, groups to join, you know, like having Black Girl Hockey Club out earlier in the season uh, during a Kraken game, having their merch launch that they did. Uh, just hoping that it continues to get better, um, but also wanting to be a part of that change and wanting to make sure that hockey is a safe space for people to join. I think the Kraken have done a pretty solid job of that. I know that you can always do more. Um, but good to know that at least in some people I've talked to some people in, in women's hockey and around the NHL that the Kraken, they, a lot of folks see the Kraken as a, a leader in that regard. So, uh, you want to take a look at some of the league related news because it's funny. I had a, someone comment, some of these names are going to look familiar because they're just like rotating jobs. It's like, uh, <laughs> playing, uh, what's it called? Uh, shoot, like, uh, what's the musical game? The musical chairs. Musical chairs. Thank you. They <laughs> play musical chairs. Yeah. So on the 16th, a couple of notes here for new hires. Vegas hires a new head coach. The Golden Knights hire former Boston Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy, and Philly hires John Tort- Tortorella, yep. signing him to a four-year deal. Um, looking ahead here for the Kraken again, as. It has been for a few weeks here on the seventh round one of the NHL draft. July closer, 8th. right? Yeah, we're we're creeping up on it. <laughs> July eighth, rounds two to seven of the draft, and July thirteenth, free agency begins. So moving on to our OL right now. Yeah, so the rain. Uh, I know we talked about it when they announced the Kim Little deal, uh, but they've got more interesting news coming up. Your women's soccer team is keeping itself busy and adding some impressive talent to the roster, so that you can come out this summer and watch them play. Uh, but their past game on the 18th, uh, the technically the second game of a doubleheader because the Sounders played at noon against L.A. and then the Rain played at 7 against Angel City, which is L.A. So kind of a doubleheader, but not on oh, the... We saw fireworks going on on that side of things. And we, Liv and I got excited because she's like, oh, my gosh, check the score. Something must have happened. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was that part of it. There was a, there was a little Soto versus SoCal uh tweet yes. hashtag that they had and only the rain won the their game that day uh of the of the teams uh but june 18th versus angel city fc a one to nothing win player of the game for bethany balser balser with an 8.3 match rating 76 minutes played one goal one chance created one big chance created and two total shots so balser getting on the board with a 30th minute goal uh it was an interesting play uh, one of the rain players, Angelina, sent a ball in to one of her teammates trying to get some chance on goal. It was cleared out. That clear out pass went right to Balser, who like redirected it right back into the net. So that was kind of fun. <clears throat> this is a big game because you're playing Angel City, who's near the top of the table. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know it to be in the Challenge Cup in their respective preseason, both expansion sides, Angel City and San Diego, were both kind of figuring things out. They're expansion teams, right? But since then, Angel City has been near the top of the table. San Diego has been at the top of the table. So they figured things out. Um, and their clubs have a lot of talent. So getting three points, getting a win, and not having to deal with another draw is always a good thing. 
Um, and nice to see them get the win that day. Uh, in terms of injury-related news with the injury report for that game, it was technically clean the day before, mm-hmm. but we looked. We got the roster announcement, uh, no, the starting lineup 30 minutes before Rose Lavelle was nowhere to be seen. Lavelle was a late scratch with an ankle injury. This was more of a precautionary thing yeah. uh, than anything else. Uh, head coach Laura Harvey mentioned that with her uh, being part of the U.S. Women's National Team camp that's coming up, they wanted to just take an abundance of caution. So I wouldn't worry about that too much there. We get to team-related news, and this is where things get really interesting. On the 14th, a rumor came out that Tobin Heath, former U.S. Women's National Team uh, star, played with Arsenal overseas, uh, had some time in the NWSL, but not too much. Uh, There's a rumor that she might be joining the reign. On the 16th, that was made official in a trade with Louisville. Louisville Racing Louisville had her rights, uh, the rights to her contract and all that. So in the trade, the Reign received the rights to Tobin Heath, and Louisville receives $50,000 in allocation money. Remember that allocation money that we talked mm-hmm. about last week? Mm-hmm. Uh, a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Uh, so at, at the end of the day, this is someone that uh, I believe her contract is through this season, um, and then she's eligible, eligible for free agency next year. So I would say, you know, if she turns out to, it, it's interesting because she's had some injury, injuries she dealt with Ar- Arsenal, but she's had incredible success prior to that. So it's like, what are we getting right. kind of thing, right? So I'm really interested to see that. This is someone that's got a great pedigree um, and that's got a great veteran presence and can surely help in that regard. But I'm interested to see, I mean, she adds to a, midfielder attacking group that's already stacked with talent so it's interesting to see how the coaching staff is able to manage all of that right because we've talked about it before you can have the keys of ferrari but if you can't drive the car correctly it doesn't matter you know you can't turn the thing on what are you going to (laughs) do so um that was the first big move of the week the second one on the 17th there were rumors that the reigns were in discussion to sign young forward jordan haitema haitema sorry me uh she was signed. She would have been signed from PSG, uh, and it was a member of the Canadian national team. So that was just a rumor at the time. On the 18th, the day of that match, they made that official. So the Reign signed the 21-year-old to an international roster spot through the 2023 season, with an option to extend it through the 2024 season. Haitema joins the Reign from Paris Saint. Germain? St. Germain, yeah. Uh, in exchange for an agreed upon transfer fee, which included allocation money, allocation money that we talked mm, about last week. So there were, let's just say going forward, and you can see her there, uh, we have a photo from her, uh, the video that she released, I guess, which they recorded the day before, which was kind of funny. Um, anytime you see a trade for allocation money, I guess with the rain particularly, because Laura Harvey has been like a mad scientist. Pay attention to it because there might be a move behind it. Um, and look at you being spot on with the rumors. <laughs> I do. I, I, uh, so the biggest question I'm sure some of you might have is when may we see these new players? Like it's okay. It's great. We've got all these shiny two toys. When can I play with them? Right. What, what, when, when are we going to see them in action? When will we see them in action? So before we get to that, the rain, there's an international break of sorts. Okay. Right. Uh, for the U.S., the, the women's national teams around the world. So that's why they're not playing until the 1st of July. So okay. we're going to have to wait. Right. Darn. But we're going to see some of these players sooner rather than later. I know that that Kim Little News was announced a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, there were talks about this last game being her first because of the visa process. And because that's been taking longer than it has before COVID uh, since before COVID. She's not joined the club yet, but we'll look over at my little thingy that I put together here. Uh, You can see Tobin Heath is on the far left there. Uh, Haitama is in the middle, and then Kim Little is on the right. So expect to see Heath and Little on the 1st of July in their next match against the Courage, their pride match at Lumen Field. I would expect that because neither of those two are going to be on their respective international teams. And, you know, that's enough time, what, from the 20th today, to the first, that's enough time to get with the club and get some practices under your belt. Haitama's a different case. Because she's with Team Canada and because Team Canada is going to be playing in some, there's a CONCACAF uh, sort of tournament. Uh, Ooh, does that believe, delay her? Yes, that will delay her until I'd say late July, early August. I put early August as a precautionary sort of tale. So she'll be joining us later, but she's under contract through 2023 and with an option for 2024. Plus, 
hold on. Let's go back to this photo. All right. How old would you guess that woman is? Bef well, I mean, before I said her age. You said her age? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't have to say anything. But just off the top of your head, just anything. Oh, I don't want to. No, I'm not going to guess a She's woman. She's 21. Thing. We're the okay. same age. <laughs> she, she went straight to play professional soccer from high school at the age of 18 in France. That's amazing. So you add another young, young attacker, young, talented player to this roster. You add Haitama, Little, Heath to a roster that already had Ro people know Rose Lavelle, Megan Rapino, Just Fishlock won the MVP last year. Bethany Balser was second in the league in goals last year and won the 2019 Rookie of the Year. There is a lot of talent on this team. And so I encourage you greatly to not only support the rain, but to go out to their games at Lumen Field. They're at Lumen Field. They're not playing at Shaney Stadium no more. So you don't have to worry. Well, if you're from Tacoma, there's a thing on that. But in Seattle, you don't have to worry about driving down to Tacoma. They're at Lumen Field. They're at a world-class stadium, world-class World Cup hosting stadium, and they've got world-class pairs. And the weather's so, getting better. Why not get out there? There's that. So uh, quick thing before we look into the next game here. In league-related news, I know that we talked about Angel City. Angel City lost one of their best players. Kristen Press tore her ACL. She'll be going to be out for the season. So the best player for Angel City is done for the year. Uh, she was left off of the women's national team roster, I guess, prior to this. The coach, Vladko Andonovsky, told reporters that he decided to leave her off prior to the news of her injury. So it's a tough break. Um, looking ahead here for the rain, they stood a three win, uh, two loss, four draw record, fourth in the NWSL table. So they're in playoff positioning. Uh, looking ahead, their next match, as we mentioned, is July 1st versus the North Carolina Courage. This is a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, this is also their pride match. So if you want to help celebrate pride with these incredible women, I mean, I'll be there, you know, we'll have a, it'll be a really cool event and hopefully the weather is nice, like Bell said. So with that all being taken into account, what did our uh, Seawolves have for us our this week, Our Seawolves are muscling through here. On the 18th, they played the Houston Sabercats and they won 46 to 27. Player of the game, and I feel like a name that I've said pretty frequently here, um, fly half AJ Elatimu. 14 points scored, the game leader, four goal kicks, 232 kicking meters, nine tackles made, 70 running meters. Um, MLR Western Conference Championship, of course, and Seattle heads to the MLR title match. And I mean, just like you said, they've got nothing to lose here and they're, and they're playing like it. And look at what it's getting them. Look how far they've come. I mean, so, you know, with, with Circling Seattle Sports being a podcast, we hadn't actually added the Seawolves until this past year. Right. And so uh, the entire club from the general manager, Pate, my buddy Pate, uh, to Carly, the PR staff, you know, they've all been really welcoming the players. I spoke with Tani Tupo, Tani going to UW, playing with the Seahawks and the Seattle Dragons of the XFL. He's, you know, they've all been up and down, just like the rain, up and down, great to, you know, cover. Right. And so they went four and 12 last year, which if you don't know about, you know, records, bad. Uh, and then the year before that, in the COVID year, where they only played five games before the season ended, they're one and four. Mm. So, you know, with that game they won against Houston, two in the second to last game of the season, they were, I think, nine and six at the time. I'm okay with that, right? It's more of a bounce back. You fought till near the end of the, uh, the season and you were almost in the playoffs. I would consider that from four and 12 to that, I consider that an improvement, right? Then all of a sudden, now you're playing in the Western Conference final and you steamroll Houston. And now you're playing for a third title. It's just been an <laughs> incredible run for our rugby team. And they're playing not, not for their first title folks. This is, this would be their third title. So, I mean, hardware speaks, hardware speaks. It does. Right. So with that being said, we would be remiss. I know I tweeted about it on Sunday. We've got a little bit of a preview here versus rugby New York. Do you want to take a look at some things? I know we've got, our last head-to-head -head matchups. We've got some stats to look at. You want to take yeah. a look at that? The teams played head-to-head -head on May 15th. New York won 30-22. That was in New York. Um, Low-scoring affair. Only three penalty kicks between both teams. Seattle conceded 17 penalties to New York's eight. Now, that's key there, right? Because you see only, what was it? Was a three penalty kicks yeah. total? 17 penalties. I mean, New York was a team that was in a position for the playoffs for, you know, while we were looking at them on the looking ahead section during that week before that we looked at them, they were in a playoffs team. So, I mean, 
any game normally you want you're going to be clinical you don't want to make a lot of mistakes you don't want to commit a lot of penalties mm -hmm. 17 to new york's eight you can't do that right and the last game that they played new york played against new england new england was the I mean, we'll look at that here i think in a second but yeah new york beat new england in the eastern conference championship new york was the three seed uh new england was the one seed so they wow. come in they beat them by i believe it was eight points this is both teams can scrap it out but i think the biggest thing from that head-to-head -head matchup was those 17 penalties i don't know about you but 17 that's definitely doubling your opponent you can't do that so that's one thing to pay attention to and at least what i noticed in the game against san diego a few weeks ago seattle took great advantage of the penalties that san diego committed so that's you know that's something taking whatever team gives you right yeah so I think that that was the biggest thing that I noticed from the head-to-head -head match. And who are the key players that you think we need to watch out for here? So, you know, I, I wish that MLR would do a better job of giving us the stats, but at least looking at, you know, some leaders and things like points and try scoring, you know, um, Jack Hyten, a fly half fullback for New York, was their top scorer with 67 points. He was the league's number 10 scorer. Uh, AJ Latimu, our, our buddy, right? was number two in the league, only one point behind number one. So uh, heightened league scorer. So he's he's going to be, he seems like a guy, obviously, with the amount of points he had, who's going to make his kicks, mm -hmm. those penalty kicks, right? Those try conversions. Mm -hmm. He's going to, so at the end of the day, you don't want to give up these penalties. Um, and then for try scoring, you know, we look at top players. I would have Heighton and Ed Fido. Ed Fido's a wing for New York. He's their leading try scorer with 12. He led the league uh, with tries scored only two ahead of Seattle's record hatting uh, with 10. So Fido's going to be somebody that I'm going to want to make sure that you tackle, that you get ahead of, that you make sure he's not getting anywhere near the try line. Yeah. Um, regardless of that thing. Uh, and then he was also their leading ball carrier. So I know, you know, with Goodness. tackling, right? It was 1,663 meters traveled. He's the f uh, fourth highest in the league in meters traveled behind Duncan Matthews for Seattle, who was third with 1,775, you know, try score and ball carry. He's a guy that's going to be primary for them, right? He's going to be their golden goose of sorts. So you got to take care of that. Got to make sure Fido is, if you had proverbial uh, whiteboard, right? Circle that name right there. Yeah. So that's what I would do. But um, I think this is an achievable game. You know, you played what? What was that loss? An eight-point loss to them head-to-head? Yeah, eight-point head? loss, eight yeah. loss. They just beat New England, the number one team in the Eastern Conference, by eight. You lost. I mean, those 17 penalties are, are key, right, in that head-to-head -head loss. So It'll be interesting because they both have some momentum there. New York beating, like you said, New England, who was number one. And then, of course, the Seawolves have been fighting their way through and at this point like you said have literally nothing to lose and what did we talk about last week how their first two titles that they won they were not supposed to win at all they're supposed to win it all this year no so, so we're going in as underdogs yeah you're going in as underdogs because i think new yeah new york was actually at the time that the seawolves sea were technically eliminated new york was actually a playoff actually a playoff team so one of these guys is technically supposed to be here mm. we're not supposed to be here oh but, right it doesn't matter. Oh, we are. So <laughs> that'll be really exciting. That game is going to be, uh, well, well, we look at it, what, an 11 and 7 record. Mm -hmm. uh, their next matchup against Rugby New York, uh, June 25th versus Rugby New York. Unfortunately, it's a 9 a.m. start time because this is a league that, you know, j similar to some of the women's leagues, it doesn't get the pull that some of these other leagues get. They're going to play at 9 a.m. Pacific over in New York. That'll be a noon start, right? Mm -hmm. But you can watch this on Fox. This will be on Fox wow. if you've got a uh, cable. Yeah. If you do not, a healthy, and I'll, we'll tweet it out, the Rugby Network, the Rugby Network, all one word, dot com. Uh, you can watch those for free. You don't need an account. That game will be streamed on there, and I'll make sure to tweet that link out uh, in the days beforehand and the day of so that you can watch that. But this is a big deal. This is another title, Seattle. So. And if you can't watch it, then you can always follow Circling Sports, who provides updates on the game. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Uh, so, you know, and it was tough for Seattle Star of the Week as we move over here because I wanted to put the Seawolves here. So they're like my 1B. Sure. But I had someone else. We'll, we'll go with you first um, and uh, a teammate of my selection. 
Yes. So we both went with Storm players this week. Um, For me, it was Gabby Williams, just because I think that having somebody else be able to step up and score on offense is so important for the Storm. Um, We've seen Ezzy do a good job. We've seen, of course, Brianna Stewart be Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd be the gold mamba. So um, it just it's going to be so important to have somebody else who can score. We obviously aren't expecting Seward to come out and be the top scorer in the game. It's her last season, for goodness sakes. So just having Gabby Williams be able to hustle on defense and then figure out her offense and be able to score on offense is going to be key. And she did a good job this last game. So I just I wanted to honor her. I wanted to give her her flowers for yeah. breaking out of her shell. Yeah. And especially I think if that that breaking out of the shell is a permanent thing. It's a huge deal. Right. So that'll be something that you and I will continue to mm-hmm. watch as the season progresses. Uh, but considering that it's her final season, I think it only makes total sense to go with Sue Bird to close that out. I mean, do I have to look at the accolade list again? Do no, I? No, no. <laughs> but you can. All-star, four-time champion, five-time gold medalist. I mean, uh, Sue has just been, like we said, if there's a Mount Rushmore, and I think one day we'll have to, not look at that list but she's got to be on it don't care where she is on it she's got to be on it so the numbers have been insane you talk at the end of the day right if you're a sports fan winning means something right Mm -hmm. she's a winner she is it's all like they don't need to say much i don't feel like sue's story needs to be told much more than it has been i think she's written that herself and she's been the uh the author of it the entire time so now to finish that book off in a positive way will be uh something to watch so we'll be excited to see that as that continues until we see you next week uh what is that i i never know the calendar off the top of my head last week of june the 27th of june it makes sense on the 20th Uh, until we see on the 27th the seawolves are going to be playing for a title the mariners are looking to bounce back in their road trip down in cali uh the sounders will play sort of a rival against Kansas City. The Storm will get back home to play some important games against Washington and L.A., who've got a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. The Rain, get some time off. Just cracking our gearing up for the draft. Uh, until we see you next time, take care, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great and day. And thank you to Salman, our director. Ah, <laughs> damn it. Sorry, Salman. We'll see you. <laughs> Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.